Well, good morning, Resurrection Presbyterian Church, and anyone else who may be joining in. I'm Jared Bryant, the pastor of Resurrection, and this morning we're actually starting a new series of messages together, and it's called Encounters with Jesus. And what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is looking at one of the Gospels together and asking the question, what happens when people come face to face with Jesus? When we see the Son of God uh, coming and interacting with ordinary and messy people like us, what happens? How does Jesus engage? How do people respond? And what does it mean for us here and now? Many of our small groups are doing the same study, but in our time on Sunday mornings, we'll only be looking at a few of the many encounters that we find in the Gospel of Mark. And there's two main reasons why we're doing this. And the first is for those of us who identify as Christians. Often when we come to faith, there is an initial excitement and engagement. And our our new faith is very personal. It feels like a personal engagement with a living God. He's not just an idea, but he's real, a being with a personality that we come to know and trust and love. And it tends to be a very vibrant time in our faith. But what happens over time is the personal becomes very impersonal. And what started as a relationship becomes more of a religion, much like a system or a collection of beliefs, a set of moral do's and don'ts, and there is this drift towards cold and impersonal. And we see this drift in the Old Testament, we see this drift in the New Testament, and we see this drift in our own lives. And my hope is that these brief encounters will remind us that the message of Christianity is not about living out an impersonal system. The message of Christianity is about living in a real relationship with a real Savior. And the second reason for looking at these encounters is for those among us who don't identify as Christians or who are considering what it all means, because the best way to explore the message of Christianity is by looking at Jesus himself. Especially nowadays, Christianity gets mixed in in so many ways with politics, with cultural hot topics, with denominational differences, that the heart of it all gets lost. And there are a lot of urban legends and and preferences about Jesus. And the best way to get clarity is to look at Jesus himself. And Jesus will say some things that amaze us and confuse us, things that comfort us and things that challenge us. But you can't make an informed decision about Christianity unless you come to terms with who Jesus really was. And so that's what we're doing. And as we come to our first encounter, here's... Here's what we see. We see that coming face-to-face with Jesus means coming face-to-face with a choice. It's a fork in the road where we must decide which way we will go. It is an either-or choice, and there is no way around this. And the choice that we are faced when we come to Jesus is simply this. Will we follow him? Now, here's what we need to understand about the background of our text. Mark's gospel account is the shortest of all by far. 
He is focused on action, and he doesn't include a lot of background information that Matthew, Luke, and John all do. It's a lot like photography. So good photographers don't just try to capture everything. They they focus their attention on something specific, even blurring everything else to help you see more clearly and appreciate this one thing's importance. That's what Mark is doing. He's not just in a hurry to get done with this work, but he's trying to help us see something specific. He's focusing in. Because in this passage, there's there's actually a lot more to this story. There's more about their backgrounds, about their previous engagements with Jesus. And even there's more to that what happens in this meeting. And we see this in the other gospels that those writers bring out. But Mark chooses to leave it all out, not because it doesn't matter, but because he's trying to help us focus in on something, to see that encountering Jesus means hearing these words, follow me, and then deciding what are we going to do? Are we going to follow him or are we going to go our own way? But what does it mean to follow Jesus? And I want to make a couple observations from our text that I hope will help us help us see what it means to follow Jesus and help us face this decision in our own lives. So first of all, following Jesus, it means leaving something valuable behind. Following Jesus comes at some cost. Jesus is clear about that in all the Gospels. Andrew, Simon, James, and John all had to leave something behind to follow Jesus. Their nets, their boats, their business, their friends, their family, their way of life, their home, their community. In other words, it cost them something. It cost them a lot. Now, does this mean that following Jesus means that we have to do exactly the same thing that they did? And The answer is no. They were called by Jesus for a specific purpose at a specific time, and that's what it meant for them. It's interesting as we look at different encounters with Jesus, there's actually another time where Jesus healed a man, and the man begged Jesus to leave everything behind and follow him. And Jesus told this man no. Jesus said, instead, I want you to go back home. I want you to stay here, and I want you to tell everyone of the great things that God has done for you. Following Jesus is not a one-size-fits-all, but there is something that's common for everyone. To, To follow Jesus means Jesus becomes the new center of our lives. And when that happens, everything is rearranged. Some things simply need to be reordered, become less of a priority. Other things need to be left behind completely. I remember when I was 15 and I started asking some big questions about Christianity and I had some experience in church, but I really didn't understand what it was all about and what it meant to follow Jesus. But as I read through the Bible on my own, I began to see two paths emerge for my future. One path was following Jesus and the other path was really going my own way. And I'm not going to lie, it was a scary place for me to be in because there were certain things in my life. Uh, certain things that that I knew weren't good for me, but I didn't want to let go of them. And it was like I was holding on to those things with a tight fist. And while Mark tells these guys, um, he says they left their nets immediately, it took me three years 
to come to terms with what it looks like to, to let go and to follow Jesus. I remember coming to a specific place where I said, I don't know what it looks like to follow you, but I know that's what I want to do, no matter what it looks like, no matter where it takes me and no matter what it costs. And that was a huge moment for me, a real turning point in my life. But following Jesus doesn't just mean leaving something behind. Following Jesus means gaining something much better. Following Jesus is not about what we give up. It's about what we gain. Think about the two parables that Jesus told about the kingdom in our New Testament lesson this morning. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like this this merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Or even better, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. In both of these, someone sells everything they have. That's costly. But notice it is done in joy. It is done with joy. It says, in his joy, he went and sold all that he had. Why? Well, because in the field, there was a greater treasure than anything else he had. He is pursuing a greater joy. So yes, there will be things that we leave behind, things that we lose out on, but Jesus is inviting us to enjoy a treasure that is greater than anything we have known, which is why the Apostle Paul says in one of those letters, he says, indeed, I I can count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth or value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In Jesus, there is new life. There is new hope. There is new mercy. There is new forgiveness. There is righteousness and adoption into God's family. In Jesus, we have a shepherd, a rock, living water, bread of life. We have an advocate, a defender, an ever-present help, a sympathetic friend, a brother, a warrior, a savior. In Jesus, we have God himself coming to us saying, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Following Jesus means gaining something much better. And third, following Jesus means trusting him. The words follow me is an invitation to trust. You do not follow someone that you don't trust. And so underneath this invitation of following is a question. Do you trust me? Do you trust I know where I'm going and what I'm doing? Do you trust that I really care about you and that I have your best interest at heart? Do you trust that following me wholeheartedly really is what's best? Do you trust that I am who I say I am and that I will do what I say I will do? Do you trust that I'm the son of God who has come to rescue you from sin and brokenness? Do you trust me? And we're going to see with his disciples that following Jesus means going into some very difficult places. Think about this, of the 12 original disciples, including these four, one would abandon and betray Jesus, one lived to old age in exile, and the rest are said to have died at the hands of persecutors because of their faith. We don't know where Jesus, we're following Jesus will take us. He doesn't tell us that up front. We don't know the when, the where, the what, the who, and the why, but what we do know is that there will be many difficulties along the way. There will be hard losses. There will be painful experiences. There will be times where it will feel like God has not kept his end of the bargain. 
And in these times, we'll ask the question, is he really good? Does he really know what he's doing? Does he really care? Over my years as a pastor, I've seen people go through some gut-wrenching times, and there seems to be two different responses. Some choose to lean into Jesus, choose to trust when everything in them says, says stop. For others, there is a choice to say, I've had enough. It doesn't make sense. It's too hard. I don't think he's good. I don't think he's for me. Or even I don't think he's real anymore. We will all face a crossroads in life. And in these moments, there will be an opportunity to believe, to trust. In the words of Frederick Buechner, he says, believing in him is not the same as just believing things about him, like facts, such as that he was born of a virgin or raised Lazarus from the dead. Instead, it's a matter of giving our hearts to him, of come hell or high water, putting our money on him. I love that. Following Jesus means giving our hearts to him and putting all our money on him no matter what happens. And fourth and finally, following Jesus means aligning our life with his life. Follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus is giving them a picture that would have made sense to them because they fished for a living. But the heart of what he's saying is this, your life will be about helping people connect with my life. Now, this looks different for everyone as we see in the New Testament and even in our own church family, but the the heart of the call is the same for us, to help people connect with Jesus, to bring people in, to bring people to Jesus, to share in the work of the kingdom, to push back against darkness, to bring light, to be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus, to be agents of hope and change, and and living in light of, of the costly grace Um, I love what uh, German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer has to say about about this costly grace uh, that comes with following Jesus. He says, costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which we must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow, but it's grace because it calls us to follow Jesus. It's costly because it costs our life, but it's grace because it gives us the only true life. It's costly because it condemns sin and grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it's costly because it costs the Son of God his life. You were bought with a price, and what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his Son too dear a price to pay for our life, but he delivered him up for us. Bonhoeffer was eventually hanged because of his opposition to the Nazis in Germany, because for him, following Jesus meant not following Hitler and working against him. And the cost was great for him, but the gain was even greater as he reveals in his letters, even in prison. Following Jesus means aligning our life with his life. So at the end of the day, coming face to face with Jesus means coming face to face with a choice. Will I follow Jesus or will I go my own way? And yes, there is an initial decision, a decision like I made over 20 years ago, but it's more than that. It's also a choice we make every day when we wake up and throughout the day. Do I trust him? Do I trust he is better? Do I trust his ways are good and that he is good and that he is for me? 
and that he is worth following? And will my life today be about his life and his purposes? Will I follow him here and now with my thoughts, with my affections, with my words, with my energy? And the reality is that there will be days when we don't trust, we won't follow, and we'll go our own way. All four of these fishermen leaving every, everything behind this day to follow Jesus, they come to a point later in their lives where they, they actually abandon Jesus in his time of greatest need. And one of them, Simon, also known as Peter, he, he publicly denies Jesus three times, swearing that he has no relationship with him at all. And when Peter does return, what he finds out is what he's known all along, that his relationship with God and our relationship is not grounded in our faithfulness, but in Jesus's faithfulness. That is the gospel that we hope in. It's not about Simon's or our goodness, but it is about God's grace and Jesus's goodness. Jesus invites us to give everything we have to make him ours because he gave everything he had to make us his. Amen and amen. Love you all. Miss you. Hope you can join us on our communion service this evening, praying for you along the way. Blessings in Christ.